Welcome aboard. I'm Brad. I'm Eric. And I'm Scott. Welcome to My Ship Story Podcast. This is a podcast where we invite crew members, both past and present, to tell their stories about life at sea. So come up to the pool bar and grab a drink. Sit back, relax, because it's time for My, My Ship, Ship Story. Story. <laughs> God, that was terrible. Hey, everybody. Welcome back to the show. Today, we're excited to have Paul Rudder. Everybody knows Paul, even though I didn't really get a chance to work with Paul Rudder. Um, everybody that I know from ships, all my friends, everybody knows Paul. He's been around a long time, 40 plus years, I think. He's He's got a couple of books in. He's about to have another book come out. And so we'll get that uh, we'll get that information from Paul here in a little bit. But uh, before we get into the show, let's check in with the guys and see what's happening. Eric, what's going on? Trying to deal with a puppy. So this time I brought him, I brought him to the podcast. So there, here's my little puppy. Aww. His name, we named him Milo and he is a handful. <laughs> he is not, uh, I mean, he's really sweet and he's super cute, but he likes to chew on anything and everything and, uh, and pee everywhere. Just about anywhere he wants. That's just like me. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Let's not he's go into not tall that. enough into a, Yeah, he's just not tall enough for a potted plant just yet. What kind of dog is it? We've been told he's a red healer, which is an Australian cattle dog. Um, and he's still a little bit small for a red healer. So maybe he's mixed with something else. But he has all the signs of being a red healer, which is going to be, oof, it's going to be a handful because he's a super high energy. So Maybe this will give me a reason to start running again. I'll take them <laughs> running with me to get them tired. Oh, yeah, that's great. They yeah, love yeah. that. They love yeah. that. He's going to try to herd me. <laughs> yeah, he's going to herd mom, daddy and daddy. Brad, what's going on? Looks like oh. you're in uh, almost done with uh, however many numbers of bottles of wine that you're into today. Well, I've, I've finally finished a, uh, a excruciating week of trying to get my uh, MLO license doing classes and passing tests and all this stuff. And uh, today I finally passed my final exam. Uh, I still have to do my state exam, but uh, man, I finally finished things up and it's been a, uh, it's, it's been a chore, but I, does I'm not doing, sound fun. it's, it's, it's tough. It's tough. It's what, a lot of so stuff. What's, that I, what's MLO mortgage loan originator. Ah, okay. That's right. That's right. I remember now. Yeah. Yeah. Fun so, stuff. Yeah. Well, it's it's kind of uh, adjacent to what I've been doing as a as an insurance agent, but uh, different. I'm learning stuff. It's, it's kind of making some of it kind of makes sense. Some of it is brand new. And uh, finally got all through that ex exam, or not the whole exam stuff, but all all through the training stuff. So I'm I'm feeling really loose. And and, and that's juicy. for Oklahoma, Oklahoma. For your Oklahoma license? No, well, uh, yeah, right. I've got to get my Oklahoma license, but I've pretty much done everything I need to do for the uh, federal registry. Okay. Oh, cool. Yeah. Yeah. So Exciting. good to go. Exciting. Excited to hear this. Uh, these stories from Paul Redder. Uh, I know Paul. Uh, I worked with Paul. He doesn't remember me because <laughs> I was a uh, an assistant purser. But uh, but we were on ships together. Well, hey, let's jump in. Welcome, uh, Paul Rudder, to the show. Well, thanks, hey, guys. Paul. I really appreciate it. Thank you very much. Uh, it's great to be here with you. Again, my name is Paul Rudder. This is my ship story. And it started back before probably the three of you were born, to be honest mm -hmm. with you. I doubt that. No. <laughs> well, <laughs> I seriously doubt that. <laughs> it started in uh, 1976, 45 years ago. 
nine years old. Yeah. Okay. Uh, well, there you go. Yeah. But Eric, I have to tell you, you introduced us to your dog. The only reason I'm standing here right now, and the only reason I got involved in cruise ships is because I took my dog for a walk. This is a great start it's, to it with a story right there and how I even got into the industry. It was uh, October of 1976. I had just graduated college, went to Boston University, go Terriers, just finished, graduated with a degree in education, didn't really want to teach school right away. I wanted to just take a year and do something. I wasn't sure what, because I, I thought if I got into teaching right away, then I would be stuck in that profession. Then I, then I wouldn't be able to do go or do anything else. So uh, I decided that I was going to just travel the United States. I was living in Connecticut. It was October. It was getting cold. So is this where you're from? Connecticut? I I grew up in Connecticut. Yes. In uh, West Hartford. I was home from uh, from Boston University, just graduated. Wasn't sure what to do. It was October. We grew up with a German Shepherd, absolutely beautiful dog named Fraulein. Wasn't a real big German Shepherd, but just absolutely beautiful dog. And I grew up across the street from the high school I went to. So we would always take the dog across the street to the high school, throw the ball. There would be all this open space for the dog to run. And and it was just a great place to exercise with the dog. So this one day, uh, I was taking the dog for a walk in October. And out of the uh, school uh, comes the principal of the school. His name was Dr. Robert Dunn, Robert E. Dunn. I knew him from four years earlier when I graduated that high school. I was involved in the music program. The high school was known for its music program. So I knew the principal of the high school. And we saw each other as I was walking the dog. And he said, hey, Paul, how you doing? What's happening? Oh, hi, Dr. Dunn. I just graduated college. He said, well, what are you doing right now? I said, well, I'm thinking of taking a year off from school just to travel. He said, well, how'd you like to work on a cruise ship? And I went, huh? What? That was random. And and I actually turned around to make sure he was talking to me out of the clear blue sky in Connecticut. Hey, how'd you like to work on a cruise ship? That's back when they were like, what's a cruise ship? Well, exactly. I had never heard of a cruise ship before. Love Boat wasn't even on the air yet. So we didn't even know about cruise ships. So it turns out that there was a parent at at the high school who was starting a new venture by putting some slot machines on board some ships in an old closet that they cleared out and put on a few slot machines. I met with this guy. He was His son went to the high school and I was a cashier in the casino. My first ship was the Fairwind for Sitmar Cruises. It was 24,000 gross registered tons, which is like a lifeboat on some of the ships today. (laughs) And if I hadn't taken my dog for a walk on that particular day at that particular time and didn't run into the principal, I never would have gotten my first job. He gave me the name of the parent. I went and interviewed with him at an ice cream shop up in uh, in West Hartford, you know, an old Friendly's ice cream, if any of you know Friendly's. And he offered me the job. He said I was overqualified because I had already graduated college. He said he just needed me to make change for the people. You know, they give you a $10 bill, you give them $10 and quarters. And from there, it just snowballed. They actually sent me to Las Vegas to learn how to repair slot machines. The name of the company was Atlantic Associates. They were a casino concession. So they were on lots of different cruise lines from Sitmar to the old home lines, the Oceanic and the Doric, if you remember those lines. Uh, Old Costa, the Carlos Sea, the Britannis and ships like that. So I I was exposed to all of these different ships because I worked for a concession and was on board lots of different cruise lines. And so uh, uh, that's how I got started, by taking my dog for a walk. As they say, the rest is history. Taking your dog for a walk in Connecticut in pre-winter 
and completely random. Hey, how come there's only 239 beans in a can of Boston baked beans? There's one more. They'd be too fatty. Oh, there you go. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> that was from Jeff. Okay. That's, that's I was a Jeff say, Okay, now that was really uh, random. Like, you know, from Boston. Boston. There you go. Yeah. Well, that's, See, that, yeah. that is that something is a cruise really director would never say on stage, just so you know. No, no. <laughs> <laughs> Jeff Arpin, sorry, buddy. <laughs> <laughs> Love Jeffrey. Love Jeffrey. Has he been on your uh, on your podcast? No, I can't find him. No, I don't yeah. think we could find him. I, I've messaged him a couple of times, and he's involved somehow in this college hunks calling junk, junk. Yeah. calling junk or something like that i don't it's know if he's involved with it if that's his business or I, I don't i have no idea i heard though somebody said um i think on one of the podcasts that they thought that he was back on ships or he he went back to cruise director for maybe a short amount of time on ships so you know i, I don't think jeffrey would mind us telling us so you're right on on both of those counts uh, college hunks hauling junk is like a moving company and it's a franchise across the country uh he did come back for a little while as cruise director after being away for a while as uh, one of the greats great guy love jeffrey Go ahead, Paul. Tell the rest of your story. How'd you finally get on Royal Caribbean? So I did a few stories. I was with the casino company for, oh, about nine years, maybe. I left in 1985, 84, 85. Now, I think I mentioned when I went to Boston University, I, have a, I had a teaching degree. Um, and so I always wanted to teach school and coach basketball. I played a little basketball in college. I played in high school. Uh, and so... Um, always wanted to teach and coach. And so in you're 80- tall, you're tall though. Aren't you uh, probably six, two, six, right there. There you go, Brad. Very good. Six right two. on. Okay. Yep. Pretty good six memory two. there. And, um, and so I, I loved coaching and teaching. So, uh, by that time I had moved into the office for this casino company. I wasn't on ships anymore. They had their office in Fort Lauderdale, Florida, uh, or North Miami beach uh, there. Uh, so I had moved to Florida uh, looked for teaching and coaching jobs. And I did that for a few years. And then in 1988, 89, you know, once you have that cruise ship bug in you and it's in your veins, it's really, really hard to stay away. So I taught school for a few years. You know, here's the sad thing. I could make more on a ship as a cruise director than I could as a teacher teaching school full time. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. 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 And that's really just, first of all, a sad state of affairs. It should never be that way for God bless all of our teachers out there. And so that really sort of pushed me back towards cruise, uh, towards the cruise ship. And then when I came back, I started as cruise staff, uh, moved up to sports director, assistant cruise director. Uh, I was a port lecturer for a while, one of the first port lecturers in 1990, I think. And as a port lecturer, the old port lecturing company, if you guys remember, was called P&D. It's where uh, Philip Levine first started as the first port lecturer on the ships. And so they put me on the newest is Royal P- Caribbean. Is P&D, is that what uh, Laura Lieberman, is that who she worked for? I know uh, Laura or very big, well. Big, but uh, big Bob. That was a port lecture company. I don't, no, might've been a version of that. Yeah, because yeah. I think that those, they were important shopping. Rather than just, I don't know, Paul, if you were just focused on the ports themselves and talking about the ports and, you know, more from a historical perspective, or was it also kind of a a little bit salesy of like, okay, this is where you can go shopping and stuff like that? 
It's pretty much what they were doing now. It's pushing the shops and the various okay. ports of call. Oh, maybe it, it was either now. it was either uh, P and D was sold, and I think uh, like Philip Levine then bought them out, and uh, so it was an iteration. But you're right, Big Bob and Laura were both port lecturers, which is what I was, and they put me on a Royal Caribbean ship, the Nordic Empress, when it came out in 1990. So I met Jim Urry, who was the cruise director, uh, and he really said, hey, how come you're not on the cruise staff? I need you on the cruise staff. And I said, well, I've been applying. Uh, I had talked to the hiring person was uh, Dave Vandepass at that time in the yeah. Royal Caribbean office. Mm -hmm. uh, and, and I did the port lecture just for a little while, about six months, really didn't like it very much. And then Dave Vandepass called, and lo and behold, I started on the, uh, the Emerald Seas, 1991, uh, the Emerald Sea sailing uh, three and four day cruises out of Fort Lauderdale. And that was my uh, my welcome to Royal Caribbean. And from there, I became assistant cruise director on the Sovereign uh, in 91 as well, and then took over as cruise director on the Sovereign at 92 and have been cruise director ever since. And I'm waiting to go back after the pandemic. So been with Royal Caribbean a long time, did take a little break, was with Costa for a few years, but mainly Royal Caribbean. Wow, it's still going strong. So um, so how long do you think you're going to do it for? Well, the pandemic has really been interesting and, and really played a big part in everything. I was really just going to do it for a few more years. I really enjoyed it. The last couple of years I was over in Asia on the quantum oh, yeah. of the seas and the spectrum of the seas. Then it was the newest ship in the fleet. And I love Asia. And it was just such a wonderful experience. And so I was thinking I would do it uh, one or two more years. And that's what I'm thinking now. Um, I've talked to the office and, and not in a real rush to get back, but maybe in 2022, I'll go back for a contract. Uh, yeah, I, I'm certainly on the downward slope of my career. That's for sure. Yeah, but I think once you get back out there again, that one or two years might go a little longer. <laughs> oh, no, no, I hope not. But we'll, we'll see how it goes. You never know, because you're always like, uh, when you're working on ships, it's like, God, it's so good. But yet it's so hard. Do I go back? Do I stop? When do I stop? When do I, you know, it, it, it's, a, it's always a back and forth. Well, the great thing about what Royal Caribbean did about eight or 10 years ago, they let me do just um, fill-in work. So I, I wasn't full-time. So I would just do two to three months a year, twice a year, giving a, another cruise director a vacation. So I was only working four to six months a year. And that was perfect. You know, you get a little base salary. It was just fun. And so for four to six months, you go out and you have a great time. And it just was a real perfect setting. And then, of course, you know, COVID came along. Right. <laughs> so, wow. Yeah. Ruined That's the amazing. Thing. 45. What's that? 76, 21, just 45 years, 45 years and going. I have a question for you, Paul. When sure. when you were doing uh, cruise director full time, did you sort of have a ship, or were you one of these guys that kind of just rotated, or did you have sort of a mix of that? When we first started back in the '90s, we sort of would stay on a ship two to three years. They like to keep the same management team together, so. I remember the years by the ship. So 91, 92, and 93 was Sovereign. 93, 94 was Sun Viking. 95, 96 was Legend. I took the Legend out uh, right after Ray Rouse took it from the yard. I took it up to Alaska on the Legend in 95, 96. 97, 98 was the Majesty doing, was doing seven-day Western Caribbean out of uh, Miami, which were incredible. Love doing that. 
Uh, and then, then I got into the grandeur and the enchantment in the 2000s. And so uh, did the Radiance when it first came out. So you sort of remember the ships by the years that you were on them, but they like to keep a management team together for a couple of years. So they work together well. And, and so that's how it, how it works. So yeah, you, they, they tend to keep you together for two to three years. Yeah. I only ask because I'm trying to place you. I, I'm sure that we worked on at least two ships at the same time. And I thought you were on the song with Norway. Uh, it's weird because I just missed you on several ships. You hear people's names, like you said in the intro, you hear uh, people's names, you know, Greg Maxwell and uh, Ray Rouse and, uh, you know, all the greats. Uh, yeah, yeah. Keep hearing their names. That's who I started with uh, was Ray Rouse that brought the majesty out. And then uh, I did the Empress. I can't remember who was on at the time on the Empress, but that was 94, 95. And then the Monarch. And then my last one was with Greg Maxwell on the Song of America. And what did you do on board? Well, I started out as a stage staff and then, then I worked into a stage manager. Well, it's funny because uh, by, uh, via Jan Melser. Uh, one of my favorites. I love Jan. Ma. It's funny because I give a little shout out to the stage staff and all the technicians in a, a book that I've written. And that's a terrible segue. And I apologize for that. <laughs> but, but I actually give a shout out to the stage staff because I talk about, you know, getting to know people's names and starting with the most important people who are the foundation of who we are. And, and the stage staff and the techs are always the foundation. Without them, nothing happens. Nothing works without the text. And so I actually mention that in the book, uh, how important they are. You know, they're the behind the scenes people that don't get the glory, but definitely uh, deserve our thanks for everything they do. That's for sure. Yeah. And you know, uh, on that real quick, before we get to your specific stories, um, Will Hunt, I don't know if you guys remember mm -hmm. Will Hunt, but he was the original, the uh, the actual original, uh, I think him and another guy named Erlon, I can't remember his last name, but Will Hunt is still a production manager on the mm -hmm. ships now. I have just a really quick story of Will. Um, and this is because I'm a technology buff. I love technology. I used to have this watch that was a remote control. Uh, we were in, I don't know, Trinidad, Tobago or Trinidad or, or some, somewhere on that run. And uh, Will and I were going into this, uh, this bar and I think the World Cup was playing. And I know how serious people are with the World Cup and I would never do this uh, again, but we went in there and I'm like, hey, watch this, watch this. And so, you know, it's a packed bar and stuff. And so I started changing the channels and turning the TV off and on. People were screaming and yelling and and Will just took me, you know, he's like, man, let's go, let's go out and get us, get out of here right now. You're going to not make it. <laughs> <laughs> but um well hey let's uh let's get yeah. into some of these stories that uh specific stories that you have and maybe some fun exciting weird good bad ugly things that uh, may have happened to you in 40 plus years of ships there's so much to talk about and and you know a lot of times people want to hear uh, oh, oh, the whole salacious things and you know there's a few yeah. of those um, <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. But you've heard that a million times, so you don't need to hear that from me, right? We do. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> we'll chop out names and and identifying information, but well, I'll start off by telling you one of the most fascinating cruises that I did, and it was really a scientific cruise, and it was uh, a full ship charter following a total eclipse of the sun, and so it was in 1977. And there were sister ships, the Fair Wind and the Fair Sea. And the Fair Wind sailed out of uh, Fort Lauderdale, Florida, and the Fair Sea sailed out of Los Angeles. And uh, the Fair Wind went through the Panama Canal, and the two ships met up side by side in the Pacific Ocean. The eclipse can take hours, 
but the totality of the eclipse only takes a few minutes. Mm -hmm. You seeing the moon move completely in front of the sun and then moving away is just a few minutes, but the whole day is just, you know, fascinating the way it works. We had scientists on board. We had lecturers. This was in 1977 when there were not automatic cameras, when everything was manual and they gave you filters, special filters for your camera. Uh, People from Kodak were on board. Uh, explaining how to take these photos. And so I have all these incredible photos of uh, Eclipse. That was just absolutely fascinating. And that was on my first ship on the Fairwind. And that was my introduction to cruising. And I'm thinking, oh, it's like this all the time that you go on (laughs) cruises like this. But it really was just a... um, just a fascinating experience. Um, they completely cut all electricity off in the ship. They wanted to get the ship, so there was no vibration at all. So they completely cut off all electrical power. So the elevators didn't work. They didn't want to flush the toilets uh, for that three minutes because everybody had their cameras trained on the total eclipse of the sun. Wow. So we would ride the wave of the ship. So, you know, uh, the ship is bobbing in the ocean ocean a little bit. So um, we would wait until it got to the point, top point, take the picture, and then the ship would come down. And then with the ship would come back up again, and we would change the settings on the manual camera, and we would take the shot again. And this is how they instructed us to do it. And of course, you could not look at the sun directly, because obviously it damages your eyes. They gave us special filters to use to be able to do that. And it was just an, an incredible experience. I have a whole slew of eclipse pictures Um, and slides from that experience. So that was just one great time. But we can get into more, you know, more detailed stories. But that's uh, really cool. That's I mean, nice. to be, yeah, yeah that's, that's really cool. cool to experience that like yeah. out in the ocean. Cause I like, you know, we had one a few years ago, we had a, a total eclipse that came across the US and it came right over like the town mm-hmm. that I live in. It came right over the top of us. So we had some friends from California, they came out and we sat in the pool and watched it. And it happened, and it was just like so cool and eerie the way the light changes outside. But right. being on the ocean, that must have been just amazing. Yeah, it was an incredible experience. They were actually going to take me off the ship beforehand, and I asked to stay on because I knew it was coming up. So, <laughs> wow. yeah, it was just uh, everything was shut down for that day. You remember uh, if it was clear, like the clouds and everything was was pretty clear. The, I mean, I'm a photographer, and I can go about an hour. Um, one way and it's pretty dark but it's you know so much light pollution and you mean you go to brad's house almost probably between halfway halfway there yeah but you know i just remember being on the ship and at the front of the the bow of the ship could be with somebody uh for the week but um but there was no lights on the front and just the stars just amazing but i couldn't imagine the entire ship cutting power and seeing because there's no polite light pollution out there you're in the middle of the ocean i can't imagine how pretty that would be to answer your question was and here's the interesting thing for the total eclipse it was about three minutes our ship had absolutely perfect view of it for three minutes the ship that was right next to us the fair sea had a cloud move in front of their vision (laughs) for about a minute and a half of those three minutes so they viewed it through clouds and we were fortunate enough to, to view the whole thing all on its own. Oh, man. Yeah. That is, so that's lo- wild. 
luck counts. That's for yeah. sure. I'd like to see yeah. some of those pictures later. Next story. You know, let's go. Well, I should tell you just to whet your appetite, but uh, you know, in those days when I first started on the ships, we were encouraged to socialize with the female passengers because uh, that would encourage them to come back and be repeat guests over and over again. And, and until so, they, until the comic cards. Until the comic, yeah. Uh, But and their children. (laughs) And oh, oh, that's another whole story. But I can't tell that here. Um, Those were the days when no, we yeah, you would go on the back deck and you would see waiters were from Italy. So Sitmar Cruises was an Italian cruise line, so they had a lot of Italians on board. And you know how these American women would just love these Italians. So on the back deck, um, uh, which was the passenger deck at midnight, you'd see all these girls uh, back there. And then all of a sudden you'd see the waiters come back there because at dinner, the waiters would, of course, be waiting on these girls. And the waiters would say to these girls, hey, you got the boyfriend on board. And the girl would say, no, no, I got a boyfriend back home. And the waiter would say, no, no, I'm your boyfriend this week. You meet me on the back deck at midnight, midnight tonight, meet me. And you'd see them all lined up on the back deck waiting for them. With the casino, I worked with Holland America. I worked on the Rotterdam, which I thought was a classic, beautiful ship in the in the 70s for a little while. And there they had a lot of Filipino crew members. And so whenever the ship would come in port, especially New York, I sailed out of New York um, to Bermuda uh, a couple of times on the Staten Dam and uh, a few Holland America ships. You would see, again, all these women lined up on the pier. And in those days, anybody could come on board a ship. You could walk on, walk up. There was no security. So the crew member would meet the girls on the pier, bring them on the ship, have their fun for whatever. That was the scene back in those days that the, uh, the crew were encouraged to socialize with the passengers because in those days it wasn't taboo, but all of a sudden, uh, damn it. Well, no, I missed my cruise (laughs) career by about 20 years. Yeah. (laughs) You know, as they say, ship happens and there were some, uh, you know, lawsuits and some rape charges and unfortunately police got involved. And then all of a sudden is okay. No socializing. So, but in the early days, yeah, there were great things. There were a few things that uh, that happened. Oh, but let me tell you, uh, here's a story for you that comes from the book that happened. I was cruise director on a ship. And as you guys know, um, weddings are always big business on board. And so we had a, we had a wedding couple that uh, came to sail with us. They had gotten married on land and the honeymoon was with us. And family from both the bride and the groom and some of the wedding party, they were all on board taking the cruise with us. Um, And it was a big party and a normal, you know, big honeymoon at sea. So the first day at sea, the bride is getting up and they're going to go lay out by the sun. So um, she wants to go out and get some deck chairs and the husband is lagging behind a little bit. And so she says, okay, she says to the husband, I'm going to go up and get a few deck chairs. And, you know, when you're ready, come on up and join me up there. And he said, sure, no problem. So she goes up there and she has gotten her deck chairs by the pool and by the bar. And she, the the husband hasn't come up for a while and she's getting a little pissed off and it's, you know, 15, 20 minutes. Okay, where is he? She calls the room. There's no answer at the room. Um, she comes back. She she realizes she forgot her sunscreen. So she wanted him to bring up the sunscreen for her. But now he's not there. So she goes back to the room to get her sunscreen. Well, about 20 minutes later, this bride comes to the front desk uh, with her family, mother and father, her brothers, crying her eyes out at the front desk. Mm. She takes off her wedding ring, throws it at the purser at the front desk, 
and says, get me off this effing ship now. And the, and the purser who was there, the guest services officer, we call him now, guest relations officer, was new to the ship. It just joined like a week or two earlier. So as it turns out, when the bride went back up to the room, the husband was there, uh, the husband was naked, and the husband was with the maid of honor. Oh. <laughs> so Your that, trouble has only just begun. There yeah. you go. Yeah. <laughs> so that honeymoon did not start off on the best uh, leg. They got off, the bride and her family got off the next day. The groom and his family... Um, stayed on board for the rest of the cruise. <laughs> with with well, the maid of honor? Did they just go ahead and get married then? <laughs> well, um, it's actually funny because I'm not sure what happened to the maid of honor, to be honest with you. So She's, I never found out. They, ne- they never found her. <laughs> yeah, that, that could be. <laughs> Yeah, they're still they're still looking. But, you know, stories like that are, are, are always uh, interesting to uh, to tell. If it was yeah, the no, other way nice. around and then somebody was caught with the, the, you know, bride was caught with somebody else, I was going to ask if Stevie B was on. Oh, no. <laughs> okay. So I know just kidding, Stevie just, B. Just kidding, but... Stevie. <laughs> uh, I believe if we're talking about the same Stevie B, I think I know Stevie B. I, 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 I might not know that story, but maybe I, I know Stevie B. Yeah. Anyway. Yeah. You probably know you Stevie probably. B. He probably mentioned you on his first podcast. Yeah, because he mentioned like 58 people. <laughs> in, in 13 seconds that's putting it lightly. that's putting it lightly i think you're undershooting that 58 <laughs> what did he just have a whole list of uh off the top of his head he just kept going oh my life was great this person yeah. that person that if person you, he just kept going and going and going and going and going okay everybody out there that hasn't listened to the CVB podcast, go and listen to that. It is a very unique podcast. (laughs) We're very, very grateful that we, that he came on and did that. It was a little crazy, but we made it work. (laughs) And he mentioned so many people that when I was editing the podcast, I'm like, I can't chop this whole bit out. There's, you know, there's 85 people that he mentioned. So I just, <laughs> I, I just forward fasted, you know, and made it talk like chipmunks. Uh, I would, I want to thank. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Go listen to CVB. You'll see what we're talking about. Well, that's, that's pretty interesting. I got to go back to where, so um, what, what sort of stuff went on when you were um, a slot tech? Like how was that being, you know, walking the ships, you know, fixing slot machines and, and stuff when you were, uh, you know, when you were just starting out or you, were you still socializing, walking around, having a good time or. Uh, well, the great thing about working in the casino back then is because it was a very small operation and they were always closed in port. So we always had the time off in port. We never had to work. And I always felt, you know, sorry. I thought it was the greatest job in the world because every single port of call, we're going to the beach and we're going here and we're going there and and, and taking advantage of these incredible opportunities. Uh, I was on one ship in the casino. I was on the Vista Fjord. If you guys are familiar with the Vista uh, Fjord. Cun- wasn't that a Cunard ship? Well, that was the Saga Fjord, the sister ship. Uh. But this was before Cunard had them. There used to be a company called Norwegian American Cruises. Oh, yeah. And they had two ships. They were the Vista Fjord, Saga Fjord. This was, and we had the casino operation on there. This was the first cruise line when, where all the stateroom attendants were women. They were Swedish women. Wow. That's the, that's the model that Seaborn used for a long time. 
was they're all Swedish or Nordic women uh, stateroom attendants. Yeah, that was a, a very nice introduction there because, uh, you know, on the other ships, it was, uh, you know, in those days, mostly men everywhere, very few women. Uh, but to go on a ship when you had all stateroom attendants who were uh, beautiful women, it was just, uh, it was... So those were some of the days of being a slot tech. And yeah, there were, there's some stories of, you know, three, four five people just getting together in a cabin and, you know, drinks. And, and back then, I think it was easier to, um, it was easier to, with no security, sneak on a little weed and they, you know, smoke a little <laughs> weed and they, uh, they are, I'm sure I'm not spilling any secrets, um, that I will can honestly say I have not done that in probably 30 years, uh, you know, on board a ship. But in my early days as a slot tech, you'd have people, taxi drivers, you'd get off in Jamaica, hey, man, ganja, man, ganja, man. Yeah, you know, for $5, you get, you know, an ounce, half an ounce in Jamaica. And it was the real thing. Jamaican gold. Funny how how that continued, you know, I mean, I'm sure there's still people, even when I was on the Majesty, you know, we're in in Ocho Rios on Thursdays, you know, like every other week, there was like a crew member that they were like, here's your bag, see ya. And people just constantly caught on. Let me let me ask you this real quick. So you being that you've spent, you know, 40 plus years on ships and everything. And this is something that we've we've talked about, you know, when we were on the ships, we thought we had just the best time in the world. You could sneak around here you could get not get caught, you know, it was, you know all this kind of stuff. But then we asked the, you know, and then we go on a reunion cruise. So we're like, there's, they have got to be miserable because everything's, you know, there's cameras everywhere. There's social media now there's, you know, it's so buttoned up and tight. But before that people were like, oh yeah, we had a much better time before it got strict with you, with you guys. Which do you think in the 70s, 80s, 90s, or recent, who has the best time on ship? You know, the most freedom, no curfew. Would you well, think? Well, obviously, it, it get more freer all the way back, or because the ships were so much smaller back when I first started, uh, you know, 24,000 tons. I mean, I worked one ship, the Renaissance, it was 400 people, 400 guests. I mean, it was 12,000 tons. And so, it was just a completely different atmosphere. You knew everybody. Everybody knew everybody. There wasn't, you know, you go on these Oasis class ships now and, you know, all the photographers hang out together and all the shoppies hang out together. And um, back then it was just so different that you got to know so many more people. It really was a different, I don't want to say a different atmosphere. I mean, I still love it today, but just working those smaller ships, getting to know people really was such a joy back then. And now, obviously, a lot more rules and regulations with thousands of crew members on board ships. Now, you have to have these rules and regulations because there'd be chaos on board if it wasn't that way. And and that's why, as we all know, ships are not for everybody. You can either deal with the rules and regulations or you can't. And you learn that very quickly. And those people that can't deal with those rules and regulations aren't around very long. And uh, for me, it was never a problem. It was just, you know, tell me where I need to show up and I'll be there and hopefully do a good job for you. So, but back in the seventies working in the casino, we, I had so much more free time as a cruise director. We have very little free time, but yeah, we had, we had some great times back in those early days. Oh, so you were for Renaissance back in the, back on the old, old small ships. Well, this was Renaissance for Paquet cruises. It was a French cruise line. They had two ships. It was called the Renaissance and the Mermoz. 
And it was a French, oh, oh, get, a load of, get a load of this. It was a French company that owned a vineyard. And so, for, and, and being in the casino, we ate in the dining room. And part of their um, appeal to passengers was that at lunch and dinner, there were, was a bottle of red, a bottle of white, and a bottle of rosé free of charge at lunch and dinner all cruise long. And when you Sweet. finished when you finished one bottle, guess what? They just replaced it with another bottle. Wow. So by the end of that contract, we all were alcoholics, which uh, <laughs> was interesting. Um, but no, it was it was called the Renaissance. It was a very small ship, twelve thousand tons, I think, uh, nine hundred guests, four hundred crew. Uh, and it was again just a great time because every I I was the only person in the casino. All they had were slot machines, and so I was the only one in the casino. That's how big the ship was. So, uh, wow. but we wow. all knew each other and partied and and just had great times together. So thinking about how people partied back then, and obviously there's a lot more safety measures today than they were back then. Uh, can you think of uh, of any interesting um, incidents that happened on board? Safety or not, it doesn't have to be a safety issue. So one of the things when I first started is that if passengers were sailing on a ship, they could invite their friends on board on embarkation day and cater parties in their room. They could get party platters. They could have drinks and alcohol that they would pay for, and they would arrange it in advance. And so, because again, standing at the gangway was just a sailor, you know, a bosun maybe, no security, nobody had to show any ID, people were just walking on and walking off. And they would have these big parties and you would hear announcements. Okay, all those guests uh, not sailing with the ship. You have 30 minutes to please leave because in 30 minutes, yeah. And you'd see all these hundreds of people leave the ship because they were just there for the day who were friends of these people who were sailing and they had a party on board. I don't really think you would see that today no. unless they went through very strict security yeah. or it was a, a, an organized wedding on board where, of course, we do have weddings in port where we have guest lists, but no, they get pictures taken now. And they, you know, it's, it's pretty much everything except being fingerprinted before coming on a ship now. So, yeah, um, no, that's very different from obviously today, but that'd be really cool. If you think about it, you know, Hey friends, come on board. We'll party it up before the ship sails, come on board, have lunch and, and come have a party. That, that sounds like a, that would be a great, that sounds like a lot of fun. Now being, here, being uh, that that happened on different cruise ships and stuff. And that's, that's kind of how it was, you know, um, you know, in your imports and stuff, was there any problems? I'm sure there was a lot of lot, but um, do you do you remember any problems with people who just came on and stayed, or could you do that on a 400 crew, uh, 400 passenger? Yeah, I don't remember like adults stowing away, but we certainly had stowaways from the Caribbean ports of call that uh, uh, we'd have people that would. Uh, sneak on board. We had there were people caught who would like try to climb up the lines that are tied from the ship to the pier. There, they oh, would wow, climb wow. up those ropes to try and get on board. Uh, one, yeah, and no, I can remember a few times that happened. They were obviously caught. People saw them doing it, but they get on board uh, and then they'd be going to run and hide. Um, but yes, uh, when you wow. see 
when you see people who are sleeping out on deck night after night, you you tend to uh, you tend to question uh, if they have a room on board. <laughs> but yeah, we've had stowaways mainly from the islands that came on board that were trying to get away from the islands, not really from the people who were coming on board to party. How was it? So you you started work before, like we uh, like you said earlier, before the 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 TV show Love Boat came out. Um, what was it like working on the ships after that came out? Was that you know was it a Oh, hey, let's go. Let's, you know, somebody's, I know somebody that works on the love boat or, you know, was that a big thing? Like, hey, we're going to be famous now because of the love boat or the love boat was probably the best thing that ever happened to cruising in the history of cruising was that oh, TV sure. show. So. Was it the American version, <laughs> the Jamaican version or the German uh, I knew version? That was coming. Yeah. <laughs> as long as it had Charo, it doesn't matter which version <laughs> it was. Now, Paul, I don't know if you have gone back there there's a one of our one of our guests that we had charo is the best charo charo was awesome i love Um, charo love 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 charo worked with her a few times loved her and very very talented she was always charo that's what i loved about her she was never anything but charo yeah (laughs) yeah um but there's a a story a a podcast that we had on earlier called um i think it was uh um jacobson or one of our guests that we had but he was saying that there is a german version of the love boat that was started before the love boat and it's still a tv show have you ever seen that or heard of that i'll be honest this is the first time hearing of that so no i'm sure it's got to be somewhere on youtube or yeah somewhere online yeah it's all over youtube yeah. Oh, is it? Yeah, we're, it? we're you know, you can yeah. you can Google German, the German love boat and, and go okay. over there and look at it and stuff. And you can watch episodes. And I think Brad and I have watched a couple of them. And, the you know, the formula is kind of the same. Like you can make it out even though you can't understand them. Everything's kind of, you know, everything kind of rolls the same. But it's pretty amazing that that's still going. And none of the episodes that I watched had David Hasselhoff. (laughs) (laughs) Listen, uh, Princess was for years and years, decades, I should say, Princess used the love boat as a, as a marketing tool. And, you know, actually until recently, you know, we talked about this last year or earlier this year that Gavin McLeod had passed away. But again, that was like a really big thing for Princess. They, you know, used that as, for as long as they could. They were godparents of the ship and they and Gavin McLeod was yeah. an official spokesperson for them. Oh, they milked that yeah. to the hilt. Absolutely. Yeah, as well, they, they should. They, yeah. yeah, as well, they should. It was beloved. And it changed. Like you said, it changed the entire cruise industry. It made it acceptable. People thought it was for old, stuffy, rich people. It really changed the perception uh, and then when Royal Caribbean started coming out with their ads for younger, more hip, energetic, uh, you know, yeah. uh, people who are into health and fitness, uh, those all those things really helped. Uh, let Paul tell a little bit about his book, because that's kind of where we're doing this, right? You yeah. want to promote this book because we're excited about this coming out. I'm excited about the book. And, you, and this is your second book, right? That is correct. Oh, well, the second one. Second, second book. book. Yeah. So second tell book. us all about the book. Well, first of all, I want to say, no, that's not the only reason I'm on here. I'm coming on here because because you have talked to some of my best friends. You just talked to Rick Chatterton, uh, just went up there. I've worked with Rick and I know Rick so well. Just a great guy. Julie Stevens, you talked to. She worked with me on the ships. Levent, one of my favorite all-time entertainers, Levent. So uh, that's that's one of the main reasons I wanted to come on because you're getting all the good people on here. So I said, hey, I have to 
join this group of people because you guys and, and I've known about you for for I don't know how long you've been doing this now. It's years, I know. About a year and a half, I think. Year and a half. Yeah. So so but but since you mentioned my book, <laughs> <laughs> but I always wanted to do a book about the you know my time at sea. People always ask me is when they find out I'm a cruise director, they go, Oh, that's so I bet interesting. You, got the best stories. you must have such such great stories. And uh, and so this book has been in the back of my mind forever. And so the new book is called you can't make this ship up. And it is uh, stories from 40 years at sea. <laughs> that's a great 40 title. plus years at sea. Yeah, that's a great title. That's a great, yeah. great title. I love uh, it. I appreciate it. The, the subtitle is Business Strategies, Life Lessons, and True Stories from 40 Years at Sea. So there's some business thing in there because I do some speaking for corporations. I do some public and professional speaking on customer service and the customer experience and what we do on board. Uh, because to be honest, one of the things about the cruise industry, we're one of the only industries where we live with our customers and we live with our coworkers. What other business lives with their customers 24 hours a day, seven days a week? And land-based businesses don't realize that. And so when I tell them that's what they do, they, you know, their eyes kind of light up and they say, wow, we never thought about that, you know. And so I talk to them about, you know, what if you had to live with your customers, how could would you treat them differently? So I take a business approach in explaining the cruise industry. But this book is really about stories. Um, we talk about the naked cruise in there. So for those of you that have oh, done yeah. charter cruises, I did a cruise <laughs> of, uh, you know, all naked people. And you can, you know, read about it in the book. All right, let's go. Let's go back and hear that story. <laughs> <laughs> well, oh, I, I can only tease you. Yeah, um, I was going to say, he's got to have people buy the book now. You know? <laughs> yeah, yeah You can give us a tease. Well, you know, there's lots of ship charters. And so there's, you know, there's music charters and there's, uh, business charters. There's, you know, and and I did a clothing optional charter. These people at the 12 mile limit were just taking their clothes off. So, uh, you know, when they say if you're nervous about speaking in front of a group of people, just imagine them that they're naked. And that's supposed to help you. Well, what happens when they are naked? <laughs> um, that's so funny. So um, um, no, no, wait, wait a minute. I got to ask. So when you went I out, that would make me director speech. Were you were you naked as well? Uh, I will. I am happy to say. And I think the passengers were happy to see that I kept my clothes on. Yes. Yeah, so that all the crew kept their clothes on. <laughs> Uh, and so that, those are the types of stories in the book. Um, and it's coming out at the end of October. Um, we're going to have a special promotion. You can do pre-orders now, uh, but we're going to do a special Kindle promotion. I think, don't quote me on this because we're just in the process now, uh, where you can get a Kindle version for a dollar um, on a certain day. And then there'll be hardback and softback copies. And uh, and I'm just really excited about it. it it's uh, it's 40 years at, at sea and just been a lifelong dream to do this. And, and so I'm real proud of the book. So coming out at the end of October, hope people will be interested in it and really appreciating you guys letting me talk about it. I, there is a, you can pre-order at the website. Uh, you can't make this ship up.com. I have that URL. So I also have my own website, paulrudderspeaks.com. If anybody's going to be in Fort Lauderdale, we're probably going to have a book signing uh, sometime in December, the first or second week in December, we're looking at right now. For any Royal Caribbean people who are in the South Florida area, stay tuned for a book signing and, and re little reunion. 
uh, in December and uh, it'll be on my page and I'll be promoting it all over the place. So maybe you could do your, your, uh, your book signing deal at, uh, at Steve and Julie's house in the garage Mahal. You know, uh, <laughs> have you been to the garage Mahal? I haven't, but, it, and you know, you need to work on Julie with me because I've asked her a couple of times to be on here. And I know that you guys are close. You guys, uh, um, have dinner and stuff, but, uh, um, tell her to get on here, Julie, we want to hear your stories because we know you've got stories as well. But um, yeah, that'd be, that'd be funny. There's a, there's a plug for Garage Mahal, Steve. Garage Mahal is an, an incredible place, how they turn their house and their basement. And, and it's always expanding. Steve is a great guy. And yeah. um, I love them both. Both Brad, very dear Eric, friends. Have you, have you, do you know what we're talking about? No. Uh, yeah. I mean, I've seen a little bit online. So, so this, but I don't so this know Garage Mahal right. is basically, he is, he has tricked out his garage into a man. Who? Steve, Who? Uh, Steve. Steve Luxon. Yeah. He was a world. Well, actually he was a gladiator. Uh, you know, back in the, I think in the eighties. And then he was a world before that he was a world-class bike dirt racer of some sort. I don't know the name of the bike, but he, he literally changed his garage into a speedway museum. It's, it's on the museum site as a museum, but it's, it's yeah, he's from England and he, he did some dirt bike racing and he's, he's still in touch and he was sponsored. He sponsored a team over in England as well. Well, that's a, that's exciting. Uh, Paul, thanks so much for coming on. That was, it was super great to have you. Can't read, can't wait to read your book. I'm going to go yeah. straight to this naked cruise chapter. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Best of go. luck with, best of luck with the book, you know, much thank success. You. And again, thank you thank you so much for coming on and best of luck with your dog right there eric yeah he woke up again so now he's like okay i gotta go take him outside before he pees on me well you know when you take your dog for a walk you never know what could come of it so that's true yeah that's true yeah. Uh, anything could think, happen uh, there you I go. Full I, circle. How was that? Yeah, that was full circle. <laughs> Way to bring yeah. it back in. Yeah. <laughs> Thanks, Paul. Thanks, Thanks guys. Paul. Really appreciate it. Thank we'll you so you. much. Thanks, Thank guys. you. All Thank right. you. That was awesome. That was good. Yeah, that was really good. Yeah. Just like I remember, uh, just a very decent, pleasant guy. Yeah. yeah. I never, never, never I met him, never worked with him. Me neither. But- but I had heard his name. Obviously, he worked the same year as we did. I'm positive that we were on a ship together. Hey, everyone. The ship is about to set sail, which brings us to an end for today. We hope that you enjoy the podcast. For bonus audio and if you would like to see this podcast in video, please visit our YouTube channel, My Ship Story. You can also find us on Facebook and Instagram as My Ship Story. Don't forget to let us know if you're a past or present crew member and if you have a story that you would like to tell or if you like, you can email us your story for us to read on the air. Email us at myshipstorypodcast at yahoo.com. That's myshipstorypodcast at yahoo.com. Goodbye for now and be sure to tune in next week, same time, as we'll have a new podcast every Monday. Bon voyage!